Hey everybody, I'm Paul Wilkie. And I'm David Oro, and you're listening to The Embargoed, the greatest PR podcast of all time. Damn straight. There's always something to talk about and a point to make. And we're going to do it when we want, which is usually every other week. Sometimes we record twice a day. You never know. Whether it's tech, business, sports, music, or your mama, we're going to cover it. And it all comes from the point of view of public relations, reputation, and communication. We're all about punching stodgy PR in the face. That's right. So sit back, strap in, and let's get it on. Today is Thursday, August 10th, 2023. I'm David Oro, and that is... Paul Wilkie. <laughs> you oh, know that was me. Okay. Yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm Paul Wilkie. Um, Slow roll delivery there. Right? You think we did this, this? This was a morning taping, but this is this afternoon. Yeah. Trying to pitch a slow pitch softball and just weren't taking it. Dude. How are you doing today, Mr. Oral? <laughs> doing all right. Good. Uh, listen, uh, we've been talking a lot about a lot of stuff on the show. Like we've griped at the PR industry. We've taken down, we punched big agencies in the face. We've, uh, uh, earlier this morning, we recorded a show about a journalist hating on PR people and what's doing that. And then we've talked about journalists that we hate and stuff like that. But, uh, and then we've talked about the practice PR. But one of the things I don't think we've covered too much is career evolution. We've talked about getting out of PR unsuccessfully, <laughs> but we've never really, uh, uh, talked about the evolution and so the other day cruising linkedin and i came across a post from our guest today his name is chris g chris welcome to the show how are you doing chris <laughs> great thanks for having me guys chris you shared on your linkedin page and i think uh you you're pretty good on on linkedin and posting stuff the story of your career evolution. And that's kind of what we want to talk about today. But before we even dive into that, tell us about yourself and uh, welcome to the show, by the way. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, guys. Well, first of all, I'm a fan. So, you know, uh, and certainly uh, aligned with the vision of punching stodgy PR in the face. So I am your guy. Um, <laughs> you know, in terms of who I am, uh, once again, you know, my name is Chris G. Um, you know, I'm a longtime uh, agency vet. Um, I've been a senior digital uh, executive at firms like Edelman most recently, uh, Burson Marsteller, now BCW, uh, Taneo, Finsbury, uh, you name it. So I've been around, I've been in the industry for quite some time. I've worked, uh, you know, for probably, you know, half the Fortune 500. Um, and, you know, I think that uh, for me, the whole story of reinvention uh, and me sharing my story kind of sprung out of, of what I was hearing from a lot of people, uh, especially since, say, the end of last year, beginning of this year, when ChatGPT first really, really started taking off and capturing a lot of people's imagination. Um, I think that was sort of one of the, that was probably the biggest aha moment that I've seen since, you know, maybe like AOL uh, CD-ROM started popping up in all the magazines back in the day um, that that we're about to see a shift and it wasn't apparent what it was going to look like, but it was going to look very different. I, I got to tell you, and I've said it on a show before, in October or November of last year, I was like, I don't know what big tech shift is coming up. And I'd heard, we've all heard about AI for years and it wasn't there. It's kind of like hearing about quantum computing. It's there, but you don't know when it's going to hit. And, uh, you know, and I was explaining this to uh, friends and family, like, 
you know, starting out in the career was like basically dot, there was the internet stage, there was the dot com boom, uh, and then there was wireless, and then social media showed up, and then the iPhone showed up, and then cloud computing showed up. We have just been on a roll. And it's just like all these things that are driving investments over the decades in technology. And we were all kind of learning it. And last year, right before ChatGPT came out, I was like, I don't know what's going to come next. What, what would come next? And then ChatGPT showed up and it was like, oh, crap. And then everything's about it in AI, AI, AI. So it, it is a monumental point. And I, I agree with you on that. I, and it kind of goes into this whole thing. On your LinkedIn post, which we'll share uh, on video here, it's like, you you get you you gave yourselves um, software versions 1.0 2.0 3.0 and and now you're working on Chris G 4.0 yeah can yeah. you walk us through that and just tell us that story yeah yeah happy to um you know basically you know my backstory is um you know I graduated I went to um uh, college at University of the Arts in Philadelphia I was a graphic design major um, I was going to, I graduated in 1989. I was, I was five years old. Um, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, and I was going to come to New York and take the print advertising world by storm. And um, the day I graduated, my, my, my degree, my college degree was obsolete. Um, this was right at the dawn of the desktop publishing era. Um, and I had learned traditional layout, you know, uh, graphic design skills, which I didn't realize at the time, but two years from that point, we're going to be completely unnecessary and completely unusable. So, you know, I had to really make a decision right as my career was starting that I could either pivot and I could go sort of like get on this technological train, or I could basically decide right at the start of my career that my career was over and I was going to go do something else. Um, so, you know, I lied on my first job application. I said that I knew how to use the computer um, to do layout and design. And uh, I didn't. And what I would do, but I knew more than they did. So I would just like stay late at night and um, work on those different programs. And I learned and after a while I mastered them, um, you know, but that was sort of like what I had to do because there was nobody who was going to hire a kid right out of college who had no experience who didn't have any computer skills. So that was the best thing I had to offer. So that was kind of Chris G 1.0 was going from, you know, sort of my training in college as a traditional print layout designer to a print designer who could use a computer. I, um, I got to tell you, Chris, I got to tell you, Chris, I don't even know what a traditional print layout designer would do today. Is, is that like a little, little scalpel? And, yeah, <laughs> and like, that was the exacto knife. And, you know, you would do, you know, you, you kind of have ruby. I mean, you know, all these terms are like, are, you know, no one knows what they are anymore. But like, you know, we had all these sort of hand tools and they were beautiful and artistic, uh, very artisanal tools that you had to spend time, you know, ruling pens or whatever, mastering the craft and everything. And then, you know, almost overnight, once the computer, once the Mac became popularized, and you started to see all these different agencies and all these different companies starting to replace the drawing board, you know, those little those sort of like, you know, the, the boards, but, you know, you can kind of lift up and whatever and kind of put the different angles or whatever, um, you know, T-squares, all of those type, those triangles with different angles, started one by one getting rid of those and starting to put a Mac in their place. And then all of a sudden, uh, two years later, 
it wasn't gradual anymore. It was all of a sudden you would go past these agencies. You'd see, uh, I remember this one big agency going past their offices and seeing barrels in the alleyway with T-squares in them, mm. you know, because they were throwing in mass, they got rid of their, their entire production facility and said, we are replacing them with a bank of Macintosh computers. And so it just happened that quickly. It was the dawn of desktop publishing, I think it was. Dawn of desktop publishing, that's right. And it just, you know, it was never the same. And what I saw was, you know, you had this ecosystem of people, production artists, layout artists, um, you know, people would do these things called mechanicals, which were necessary to take an idea from concept to being able to actually get it printed. And there were people who spent their entire career honing their craft to be able to do this. And in a year or two, those people were out of the industry and unemployable, like literally finding something else to do. So this was something I'm seeing when I'm 23 years old. And um, it left it obviously that something like that leaves a mark. You know, I had to reinvent myself at the start of my career. And I and I unfortunately saw people who I, I worked with and got to know and who taught me who um, weren't able or willing to make that pivot, who then, you know, had to see the end of their careers. So, you know, for me, it said, hey, look, you know, I, I, I'm just at the beginning. I can't, I don't have any money stashed away or anything like that. I, I got to work a whole lot longer. You know? So um, it instilled a mindset within me that, that, you know, I wanted to see around the corners and be able to pivot when necessary, whenever a new technological disruption came along. So 2.0 is what? So um, not long after the desktop publishing revolution happened, we started to see the dawn of the internet age, right? The dot-com era started to, so I, I made reference a, a few minutes ago about those discs, you know, the CD-ROMs uh, with all the AOL computers, AOL discs. And, you know, I think for anybody under 40 years old or so, just wouldn't, wouldn't recall what that time was like. But all of a sudden, when you would buy your printed magazine, Right, it would come in a plastic sleeve, and in that plastic sleeve would be a CD-ROM that, if you put it in your computer and you unplugged your telephone and plugged it into the back of your computer, you could get on America Online and you could go and chat with somebody all the way across the country or across the street. Right, and so, you know, this started popping up, and you started getting more people getting online and everything. And and again, I started getting that sense that like, I think this is the start of something big. And a lot of people said, Chris, you're crazy. This is a fad. It's going away. Um, you know, this is like CB radio. Nobody's going to take this stuff seriously. And I just didn't see it that way. Um, so I said, okay, you know what? And then at, over time, you start to see this industry pop up of web designers. You know, at first they called them HTML designers, but then eventually started calling them web designers. Uh, and the beginning of that was people designing on CD-ROMs because the internet bandwidth wasn't big enough. But eventually, you know, they needed people to start designing these interfaces and information systems online. And I said, you know what, I want to do that. Uh, and so I went and interviewed for a few positions as a web designer and they wouldn't even look at me. They said, dude, you're a print designer. You don't know how to use this web stuff. Um, and they were right. But I said, all right, well, I'm going to teach myself. So similar type of thing, like I did at the very beginning, you know, of my career, I basically would spend every Saturday at Barnes and Noble, I would gobble every single web design book I could find, every single HTML book I could get my hands on. And I would stay late because I didn't have a computer at home at the time. I stay late in the office and I do my work. And then when I was done with my work and people went home, I would stay and I would teach myself. I'd give myself little projects on how, building websites and building web interfaces and doing web designs. And it took me about a couple of years, but I got pretty good at it. And I got good enough that like the, 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 the recruiters and the agencies that wouldn't give me the time of day, one of them gave me a job. 
And I got my first job at an agency coming in as a web designer. Uh, so that was kind of, you know, Chris G 2.0 going from sort of like the guy who did traditional print design and then learned computer skills to now a guy who taught himself how to design for the World Wide Web. You're like, you're like um, Michael J. Fox in that movie Secret to My Success. I'm just going to work all night. That's all I need to do, right? <laughs> and what's well, interesting you know. is it, 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 you see that you are you evolved your career as the world was evolving. You know, you I, I don't think you were too ahead of the curve or too behind the curve. It's like right place, right moment. You're able to capitalize on it. Yeah, that's the key. And, and I think that, um, you know, I hope maybe it's a superpower or not. But um, you know, I, I I was fortunate enough to be right. Like I placed the right bets because there were a number of other things that came up and became a thing for a little while, but never really became a thing. Or we thought we're going to be transformational. It didn't become transformational. And I didn't sort of identify those as areas where I needed to double down and pivot my career, thankfully. Um, but thankfully, the bets that I made um, turned out to be right and turned out to pave the way for lots of um, of career opportunities for me. If I did the math right, I think you avoided having to actually fax press releases to anybody. Yeah, I know. So, so <laughs> I never had to fax a press release. I never had to fax anything to anybody. Nice. I, I missed that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> I did have to fax some things, though. I did the fax. Yes. I, I was a fax master, you know. <laughs> but I, I, I missed mimeograph, though. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So, so. Let, let's get to the place where those under 40 can understand where we can relate to something, <laughs> right? Because yeah. us talking about old yeah. stuff, right? So 3.0, social media was coming around and tell us what happened there. Yeah, so I had gone uh, and, and progressed my career from being uh, a web designer all the way up to uh, becoming a digital creative director. And I ran a team of, of, of designers and animators and you know, some coders or what have you, and we did websites. And I worked for an agency, uh, Burson Marsteller at the time. And I remember, um, you know, it, the blogosphere had, was really a big thing, right? And, uh, but then social media started to take off. And, and it, it was pretty obvious that it was going to be a really big thing. And we weren't really well positioned. Um, you know, there were other agencies that we were competing with who had brought bloggers on and, um, you know, built out capabilities and everything. And we just weren't there yet. And I remember one time we had this big new business pitch and um, I saw the slide come up with all the people on our side who were in the room. And with my picture underneath it, it said head of social media strategy. So I leaned over, said to my boss, I was like, I'm not head of social media strategy. And she said, you are today. <laughs> so, you know, I, I acquitted myself well, and then the next thing you know, um, I got promoted and they said, you know, we want you to focus on social and digital strategy. So I kind of, you know, that became the sort of 3.0 version of Chris G um, where I, I, I sort of transitioned from sort of like doing web designs uh, and being a web designer and ultimately um, a creative director, having a team of people who did web designs to now focusing on something that for me was a lot more nebulous, which was social media strategy. You know, because we weren't we weren't really building a thing. You know, we weren't you, know, you weren't going to walk away with a website or a web app or something like that. It was like, okay, well, we're going to help you create content online. Um, so it took a little while to get myself my head wrapped around it, but it was obvious that there was an opportunity there. 
And I thought that, hey, look, you know, this is a budding area. And, you know, for me, I always think there's opportunity when there's something new that's brand new for everybody. It's like, all right, well, we're all at the starting gate. Um, you know, nobody else is more of an expert than me. Maybe they might be three or four months ahead of me, but that's about it. So from that perspective, I always see opportunity in that type of chaos. And that chaos today is what we were talking about at the top earlier, before this call, I can't remember, but this AI revolution, right, in this generation. And I think, Chris, I, you know, you're, you're in between opportunities right now is what I understand. Yeah, I'm no longer at Edelman. Uh, I'm doing some consulting and looking at some other opportunities. Um, but one of the things that I'm doing uh, on the consulting front is, um, you know, I, I've spent a good portion of the past eight, 10 years or so um, with different agencies I've worked for, where I've counseled Fortune 500 executives and leaders on how to build out their personal brand on social media and, and, and do thought leadership. Um, and so I'm working with a couple of executives um, on a consulting basis now. And one of the things that I'm, I'm really trying to do and, and, and focus on is how to marry AI um, with thought leadership, right? Um, and how to, how to take AI tools to be able to help you to be able to come up with ideas faster, to create content more quickly, uh, to be more efficient in that process. You know, and, and you guys are content creators, you know, you run a podcast and a number of other things. So you, you understand, like, you know, it's time consuming and it's time consuming to do it well. And for every podcast like this, there's a lot of production, there's a lot of writing, there's a lot of things that go into it. And those things slow down the process. And sometimes when you get stuck, being enable, uh, being unable to kind of get unstuck uh, hinders that process and, and it causes a lot of people to give up. I've seen that happen with a lot of executives I've worked with uh, on the thought leadership front. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I'm working with a number of tools, um, you know, ostensibly to help people get past that point and help them to also kind of like create content on a more consistent basis. Um, yeah. And so we'll see where that goes. And I think one of the things that you're doing is something that, you know, David and I talk about a lot. And I think if you're in PR right now and you're not stepping back and sort of saying, okay, what's, what's next, not only just for the industry, but also where do I want to be? How, do, where, do, where, how is this going to go forward and how, how can I make a difference? Um, and if you're not, I, I think if you're not thinking that right now, you're, you're either in denial or, or not aware of what's going on around you, which is, which is scary. Cause it's a, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting time right now. And I think, 100%. um, yeah, I think if you ask the three of us, what, what do you want to do next? And what is, what does your next five years look like? I think you're going to get three different answers. And I think you probably get multiple different answers from whoever you talk to. I think that's 100% right. And, you know, I can say that that the conversation, so look, we all know this, right? Um, there are there are a couple of different types of conversations happening in corporate boardrooms uh, in corporate America right now. One of those conversations is more what I, what I, you know, people are calling responsible AI, which is centered around how can we use AI and other types of technologies to help people be more efficient, to give them more of their day back, um, to help us supercharge our systems and processes and innovations, et cetera. And there's another conversation in boardrooms where they're saying, how can we use AI to get rid of half of our costs, costs being people, right? How can we, and we've seen it, and sadly, when you talk about PR, we've seen it in how many newsrooms, right? Yeah. Um, right. Most recently, the New York Times got rid of their um, sports, uh, the, you know, their sports uh, 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 bureau. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they had a bunch of layoffs before that. 
Um, you know, ESPN had a whole bunch of layoffs. And all of these are not due to AI. Um, but I think a number of outlets have made it clear that they're going to start using AI to generate content. They're going to use AI to generate stories. In fact, a whole bunch of them. I mean, most I, I, I would wager to guess that like to bet that like most of the time when we see just a standard sort of earnings type story or whatever, I bet you a, a human didn't come up with most of that content, you know. Um, so I think that to your point, um, there's going to be a lot of disruption. I think that even the companies that are being responsible about how they approach AI um, are going to be looking at how to streamline and eliminate rote tasks. And in some cases, just like at the beginning of my career, um, some of those tasks are going to be the elimination of jobs for, for real people. Uh, now, I'm not an AI alarmist. I don't believe it's going to put us all out of work. I don't think we're going to have robots coming uh, like uh, the Matrix and things like that. But um, I, I read a quote few months ago that I'm sure we've all many of us have seen up to this point where the person said I don't and so my apologies I can't I can't remember who the author is but they said uh, AI is not going to take your job but someone who knows AI will and I think to your point that is really the thing that if I'm a PR professional I don't care what level you are what how senior you are you need to be thinking about what do I, how do I spend my time every day and how can that be more efficient right how can I use AI to be more efficient coming up with ideas, um, creating decks, things like that. You know, you're spending three, four hours to create a deck. No, ChatGPT can create a deck in like 20, in, in like a couple of minutes, right? So that doesn't, that doesn't work. Um, so I think that's really the process that people have to come uh, to, to go through and then really think about how can they kind of reinvent themselves with a new set of skills with AI as a co-pilot, right? Because I'm a big, uh, a, a big fan, a big proponent of the fact that like, there's gotta be a human element to things. Um, if you rely on AI to create content without your personal touch, it's just going to be average at best, right? Um, but I think that the combination of human empathy and human experience with the efficiency and automation that AI can provide, I think that's really where we want to get to. You know, I, I want to get on that efficiency and automation part of it because that's not the story right now. That's not the overarching narrative about AI. AI is about cost reductions, taking people's jobs, et cetera. And, and until you said that, I was like, this is going to suck, <laughs> right? You know, I mean, I knew it was good. I knew it was going to help out. But it was like, oh, my God, what, what will this take over, right? And you get this, this sense of it's easy for a lot of people to have fear and doom that the robots are going to take over. Once you start to see how AI interacts and how actually really good it is, but with automation and efficiency to your work needs to come out a little bit more, right? Because what can, when we remove mundane tasks from our day-to-day -day work, what else could we create and come up with? And that's the exciting part that I don't think anybody's really talking about, right? And no. so... If we're creating something and like I need a first draft of a press release that used to take two hours for me to sit there, research and do that, let me get a first draft going. And then, oh, by the way, I'm already a good writer. I know how to do this. I'm going to make it mine. Right. I just need a good start. Right. So I, I like how you're talking about that. And I think you probably need to be talking about that. And maybe that is sort of the 4.0 where you're headed. Right. You know, like what, what are we creating? 
how do we take advantage of these new technologies? Because we're always learning um, how to take advantage of it. It's just a little scary when they show up sometimes. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. I mean, and, and the point that you illustrated is a perfect one, right? I mean, something, you start with a blank page, whether it's a press release and you've got your Word, uh, blank Word document open, um, and you've got that block of like, okay, what am I, how am I going to get started? Um, you know, that's one of the things where, where AI does a really great job is it can help you get started, right? You're like, all right, well, I know I want to, the press release has to be about this. It's got to hit on these points or whatever. So those five or six bullet points that you took in a meeting, you know, I just take that, put that right into chat GPT, you know, and give it a good, and, and the key is giving a good prompt and say, okay, you know, put together a press release, you know, here are the main points, you know, make sure you emphasize this, here should be the tone or whatever it might be. And to your point, David, it's not going to be great. I mean, I, I find uh, chat GPT, Bard, whatever, to be very, very average in terms of the content that it creates. But that's okay. Most first drafts are average at best, right? Then from there, you take it and you make it yours. You put that special sauce on there. You take your years of experience and, and, and then you can make it sing. But now it's taking you an hour instead of taking you three or four hours, right? Now, I think that the other conversation that's happening that causes that's causing a lot of hand-wringing is that most of the PR landscape, the PR landscape in the agency landscape anyway, really kind of modeled his business model kind of in a mirror image of, of law firms, right? So they mostly charge by the hour. So where I've heard some hand-wringing is when people say, okay, well, if, if something that used to take six hours only takes an hour, that's five hours we can't charge for. That disrupts our business model, right? And if you replicate that across X, Y, Z number of people, that's a lot of lost revenue. And I think that's just the wrong way of looking at it, mm -hmm. right? Because when you think about it, no company wants to pay you or me or anybody else six hours at whatever our hourly rate is to write a press release, right? Um, they would pay six hours for us to really think deeply about their company and solve a huge problem. Um, but, you know, I can tell you that when you work at, and that you know, uh, PR agency, et cetera, like some of the most fun days are the days where you get to workshop, where you get to brainstorm, really kind of be creative and solve big problems. But those days and those times are, are few and far between because you spend so much time executing. You spend so much time writing those documents, those memos, um, those slides, all that stuff. So you give yourself, you budget yourself a small fraction of time for creative ideation. And then you have to give yourself much, much more time for the rote task of actually taking those ideas and putting them into a format where they can travel without you. Um, and I think that the promise of AI should be that we get back more time to be creative because the reality is companies that pay uh, PR agencies uh, nowadays have huge complex problems. Right, um, I and mean, we've seen some of the challenges with brands like Budweiser, uh, you know, Disney, et cetera, um, where you know, and 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 that's just the tip of the iceberg. We're we're entering a political season again, right? So um, you know, lots of different things that happen on a societal front, on a political front, et cetera, now directly impact companies and brands. Whereas it used to be, they were seen as neutral, you know, not in the political game, poli politically, you know, on the sidelines. Um, and now that is no longer the case. So if, you, if you're thinking about what they need from a PR firm or what, what they need from PR professionals, they need a lot more deep thinking they, uh, in, a, in a multitude of areas that weren't necessary even five or six years ago. 
Um, and if we have the opportunity to take a lot of these rote tasks and things that we have to produce and shorten that time so that we can think more about what do we need to be doing here? How do we need to be speaking to these audiences? How does our how does our value proposition needs to need to change? And how can we do things differently and better? We have more time to think about those things. That's more value, right? Whether you can charge that time for clients or even if you just are able to say, hey, how do we as an agency operate more efficiently? So I think that that the conversation right we're having right now, and given the fact that obviously I think all these tools are still very new, um, some of the conversations are right, some of the conversations are probably not conversations that we need to be having. But I think that that we need to be having the conversations, whether they're, whether they're the right ones or not. You know, as long as we're not having conversations about replacing humans, because I can tell you, AI tools without humans, not going to cut it. No, no. So yeah, well now now the, all the agencies have to have to rethink their model on hiring interns and first year students to spend six hours making a media list. <laughs> yeah. Money, man. That's big money. <laughs> big, oh yeah, media monitoring too. You know, um, you know, having these kids like wake up at five a.m. and and pull together these clips and all this kind of stuff. I mean, you know, reality was that like several years ago there were AI powered tools that could do those types of things, and I think that you're one hundred percent right. I think that now one of the things that's got to happen with uh, PR firms is there's there's got to be an examination of the business model. Right? Uh, there's nothing wrong with hourly billing, but do we need to do it? for every single task, right? Maybe there's a certain value attached to your point to, to a media list, right? Maybe it's a product. Um, and we say, you know what, it's not about how long it took me to create it, but what's the value to you for it? So whether it took me a half an hour or not, doesn't matter, you're still gonna pay me X for it, right? Um, you know, and, and one of the things that's always been a flaw of the hourly model um, was that like, I could sit, in my office from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. And I could, with my team, come up with a groundbreaking idea that tr is transformational for one of our clients, right? And then from 12 to one, I could spend an hour with a few members of my team just editing a, a Word document, right? And we charge the same for that hour, right? It, it, there's no connection to the value. The client doesn't value me and two or three other people moving around edits or whatever, and probably overwriting each other's edits in a Word document, right? It's not enough value there. But they would value much more greatly than the one hour that each of I and my team members charged for that transformational idea that we came up with earlier in the day. So yeah, I think you're right. I think that um, that agencies would be wise to be proactive about looking at their business model and, and being open to trying different things. Because one thing I can tell you is gonna happen because I've seen it happen too many times in my career is at some point, the business world is gonna get wise and they're gonna say, you're charging how much, how many, you're charging me about an hour to come up with a media list when there are these tools out here that can do that in automated fashion in seconds. No, you know, you're charging me how much for media monitoring when I know there are tools out there that can do that and layer on analysis and all you need to do is come in as a human and tell me what it means for me. No, I'm not paying for that. So it's better to get ahead of that and to have that conversation and go to the business world first and say, hey, here's our new model and how we're pricing things then have to be on the back foot and turn things around quickly. What does the transition from Christie 4.0 to 5.0 look like? <laughs> That's a good question. You know, I, like you like you said, I don't tend to know until the world around me changes. So, um, that's what I'm I asking. I want you you got you got a crystal ball there somewhere. I want to I want to tap into that. 
I, I wish I did. I tell you, if I if I knew what that was, I'd be trying to get ready for it now. But uh, you know, I think the 4.0 has got me busy enough. But um, you know, somehow to probably probably involve uh, spaceships, uh, you know, like the Jetsons or something like that. You know? <laughs> I, I know one thing. I know our conversation today is 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 inspired both of us to think about what's ahead for us. But I also think, you know, I, I think you guys touched on something interesting in the fact that, you know. What do, what do people entering our business look like? What does their career look like? Uh, I don't have a great answer for it. Um, and and I don't think anybody does, but it'll be interesting to see how, how you know, person X 1.0 looks as they enter our business. Yeah, I think that's a great, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think that, that traditionally it's been, and, and again, I, I, I hearken, I, I go back to the beginning of my career where traditionally um, the way that they judged people coming out of art school with a graphic design degree was how good you were at certain uh, skills, right? Um, you know, and I think that where it probably will get to is um, we're probably gonna need to measure young people coming into the industry based on certain attributes. Um, I was talking to someone a few weeks ago and they, they were talking about um, this, uh, you know, uh, this, this concept of, of AQ. Um, you know, we, we know IQ for intelligence and EQ for emotional intelligence, but AQ being adaptability, right? Um, because I think that somebody who's 21, 22 years old coming into ours or any other industry, they're probably gonna reinvent themselves 10 times by the time they get them to my age, just, just given the pace of technology and how much, how quick, how much more quickly it, evan it advances and evolves uh, as opposed to say, you know, at the start or first half of my career for that matter. So, um, you know, I would, I would imagine that they're probably smart companies are gonna be looking at and measuring uh, certain, uh, not necessarily physical abilities, but, but sort of emotional, emotional, uh, and adaptability types of uh, uh, skills to say, how can this person function in a certain environment? How, you know, how adaptable are they? How creative are they, right? Because, you know, AI is not creative. So how creative are you? If you can take your human creativity and layer it on top of all the things that AI can do from an efficiency and look back and all that kind of thing, um, then you've got a winner. So, you know, I, it, you know, if, if I were sort of mapping that type of thing out, those are the type of things I would say that people coming into the industry, um, you know, now and over the next five years need to have to be able to say, you know, 20, 25, 30 years from now, they're still going to have a, a thriving career. Yeah, it really is. I think for, if we learn anything from you, it's about adaptability and willing to continue to keep learning, right? Because the world's always changing. Um, and you laid it out perfectly on your LinkedIn post and in the conversation that we had today. Chris. Thank you for being here today. Um, let us know when you get to that 5.0 or 4.1 so me and Paul can get right behind you. Uh, follow along what's going on. I'll get right on that. Appreciate yeah. It. yeah. Nice, nice talking to you today, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Anytime. Anytime.